Hi, and welcome to the BPD Bravery Show, where we discuss tips, strategies, struggles, triumphs, and success stories related to borderline personality disorder. Here is your host, Faye Green. Welcome, listeners. Today's guest is Lorraine Lowry. She beautifully intertwines motherhood with her journey through neurodiversity. Diagnosed with ADHD and borderline personality disorder, Lorraine channels her challenges into advocacy, having graced platforms like Honest as a Mother and Perinatal Wellbeing. Let's dive into her inspiring tale of resilience, motherhood, and the power of self-understanding. Connect with Lorraine on social media. I'll leave the links below to join the neurodiversity conversation. Now, let's dive in. What is it like to parent with BPD and ADHD? My husband has always said that it is like playing a game on hard. Um, From an outsider's perspective, he has always said that it looks like I'm functioning at the hardest level all the time because it's one of those things where the ADHD is the spontaneity and there's a lot of things, but for the biggest part, My struggle right now, my son is my biggest trigger. There's so much mixed emotions with that because A, it's guilt. It's I wanted to be a mom for the longest time. And then my son showed up. And A, he's the reason for my diagnosis. And B, he is now the thing that sets me off. So it's one of those things where I don't think I would have been so impassioned to learn about it if I wasn't trying to break a cycle, basically, like if I wasn't trying to repeat those things for him, because I lived with it my whole life. And I was just like, no, this is just who I am. But then you learn about it. And then you're like, oh, but there's a tiny human who relies on me and I can't up and quit jobs. I can't blow up relationships. You know, like I still struggle. Um, But I think he's that little in the back of my head that goes like, you can't, fuck this up, excuse my language, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. And how do you know when something is a symptom of BPD versus ADHD? The biggest difference that I find is it's emotionally triggered. So when it's BPD, it's that emotion, it's the splitting, it's that mood swing, it's that rage. ADHD is things like he wants to play and I can't focus enough to play. It sounds crazy, but I can't imagination play. I used to, but he has all these TV shows he watches and my husband gets down on the floor and we'll play with him and they know the stories and I'll start. And he's like, no, that's not right, mommy. That's no, that's not the right. And I'm going, okay. Like I played with Barbies and I had a dollhouse, but he has these characters that he watches on a daily basis. Um, ADHD is the overstimulation. So, you know, being touched out is huge. Having, you know, I have TV on and I have my computer going, but if he has the TV on and he's playing and he wants to be in my face, I'm like, whoa, I need you to go away. That's not the emotional trigger. That's just, I need space, but you can, you can be here. I just need you not to want me right now. Whereas the emotional triggers are if he gets upset, sometimes I can stay focused in it and walk him through it. Other times he just sets me right off and then my husband jumps in and then it's kind of like we went on a family vacation last month and he was a nightmare. I love him, but he was, 
it was his first big boy vacation. We got an Airbnb with my parents and we knew, we knew it would take like a day for him to regulate and realize we're not going home because we had talked about the beach all year. So he was very excited. But then, you know, that realization of this isn't my house. These aren't my things, no matter what we packed. He only wanted my parents. He was rude to me and my husband. I was dealing with heat sensitivity and being on the beach so long. He at one point was kicking sand in my face and pushed me out of my chair. And like, I split on my own kid. I just, I went back to the house and I packed my stuff. And I told my husband, we're going home. And this was only like our second day in. And my mom said, you know, leave him here with us and we'll bring him home. So it doesn't ruin the, you know. And it was just like, I was, I was screaming at one point that like, all I do is look after him and advocate for him and think about ways to support him. And he's being a jerk. And it was just one of those moments where you're just like, how can I be so mad at my own kid for being a kid? Because logically I know he's three, he's kicking sand, he's pushing me out of a chair. He thinks it's funny, but there's just that side sometimes that pops out and it's like, no, I I really don't like you right now and I, I need to not be here. And so how do you take care of yourself when that happens? Majority of the time I remove myself from the situation. That is sleeping. For me, it's that dark, like I have earplugs and eye mask and a weighted blanket. I don't want to exist. Sometimes it's actual sleep. Sometimes it's just being in there and accepting a rest or just taking myself out of the equation. I do find sometimes that if my husband starts to get frustrated, then I can kind of rebound and get back to an emotionally stable place to handle it. But sometimes I do just have to remove myself and just kind of wait it out. Like recently, he only wants my husband to do bedtime stories. And I was taking that personally. Again, it's a three-year-old. But my brain is like, my son doesn't like me. Like, right. why? So... <laughs> I, I finally just said, okay, you know, I was talking to my doctor and he said, well, the guilt is, yeah, you want to be a part of stories, but he lets you snuggle and do music and he doesn't let your husband do that. And he said, so what if you take yourself out of that situation? And I said, well, how do you do that? It's bedtime. And he goes, well, if he's assigned you role, you can say, can mommy come in for story time or should mommy wait until you're ready? Because even just the act of sitting on the bed trying to interact and him just like glaring at me or making a comment like, no, I don't want you was enough for me to just shut down. And then I don't want to snuggle. I don't want to do music. And it just ruins the experience. But when it's, it's a good bedtime, it's nice. It's that we get to talk about our day and we talk about things that he doesn't talk about with other people. We talk about our emotions and we talk about our brain and things that are bugging us. But it's, it's really hard to be like, oh, you don't want me to do the thing because I'm not the fun parent, even though I try to be. But for the most part, yeah, he gets it. And it's it's just taking yourself out and not setting yourself up for those situations, which again, not perfect, still split, still get upset. <laughs> Hubby has to tell me to, you know, leave the room sometimes and take a breather, so. It's amazing that you got his support. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how I got so lucky. He doesn't understand everything when it happens, but he is not going to judge me. He tucks me in when I need a nap. Like he, he knows when I need to. And I can tell, I can tell when he's hit his limits and I can tell when he's just saying, yeah, I know you need to rest, go do it. Like I can tell and the guilt kicks in, but I also sometimes know how to 
do the same for him, push through. Like I can tell when he's really hit his limit or he's sick and he just needs to, something in me just starts. And it's like, nope, I have all the energy in the world. I can do this. It does not matter because he does it for me. But he's always willing to listen. He's willing to learn things, especially when it comes to our son. And there's some things he was like, oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Like we had an instance where he came out of his bedroom one night multiple times. Couldn't figure out why. And he was finally tugging on his shirt. And I said, oh, is there a tag on your shirt? And he flips his shirt open. And I said, okay. So I cut it off. And he went back to bed and he fell asleep. And my husband goes, what's that? And I said, there was a tag on his shirt. And he goes, yeah. And I said, it was bugging him. <laughs> Sensory processing. And he was like, yeah. see, this is, he is as neurotypical as they come. That's what I call him. Um, and he says, that's the stuff he doesn't understand. Same with like when our son is doing something as simple as putting on his shoes and then gets frustrated because the Velcro comes off. And I mean, like meltdown. He has huge emotions, but he's three. But as someone with huge emotions, we can set each other off. So he either has to remain the calm, stoic, solves both of our problems, or sometimes he hits his wall and he's just like, I, I just want to put the shoes on. I just want to get out the door. And so sometimes it's just, I am a believer in natural consequences. Don't want to put your shoes on. You're going outside and you're going to step in a puddle. You'll put your shoes on eventually. Um, he's a little more, I am the parent and you will do what I say sometimes. And I'm just like, mm, you're, you're okay. rationalizing to a three-year-old, honey. It's, it's okay. But it is the big emotions are the hardest part. Mm. I'm trying to handle his emotions while handling my own. And when they set each other up, it can be bad. Hey there, warriors. Before we dive into our episode today, I wanted to take a moment to give a special shout out to our wonderful sponsor, HopeForBPD.com. If you've been a part of this journey, you know that I don't just bring you stories and expert advice. I also am on the lookout for resources that can make your journey with BPD more manageable and more hopeful. Hope for BPD is that resource, a beacon of hope. Whether you're personally affected by BPD or you're supporting a loved one through their journey, this platform is here to assist you in every step of the way. Hope for BPD provides confidential and compassionate treatment consultation, information and research about evidence-based treatments, ongoing solution-focused and non-judgmental support for individuals with BPD and family members, and so much more. BPD isn't something you have to face alone or in the dark. So visit their website at hopeforbpd.com to learn more about their services and find that glimmer of hope you've been looking for. Because remember... No matter how tough it gets, there's always hope. And now back to our show. Now, I know your your kid is, like, really young. Um, so I'm assuming he doesn't know about BPD and ADHD, or does he? He doesn't in the formal sense, but I have used language to talk to him about... So his favorite movie right now is Inside Out. So it's perfect. Um, it's that Disney movie with all the little emotions in the girl. Thing. Yeah. And it's perfect because he has a visual representation. Um, but when he was little, like even smaller, you know, he would get really frustrated and things like that. And you could see it. You could see him getting so frustrated and almost like trying to process something. And he got to a point where he would just start crying. And it's almost like he had to hit this cycle to break. And then he would do the thing we asked or do something else. And I finally said, okay, we need to, we need to give him something to say. So when he gets frustrated now, he says, my brain's not listening. And that's what I said. I said, you know, when mommy gets upset or this, or sometimes can't figure things out, you know, my brain's not listening. 
So when that happens, we all step back for a second. And then he either says, can you talk to my brain? And we treat it like its own entity. Or he says, okay, I'm ready to do the thing. And again, this doesn't work 100% of the time. I'm not saying this is going to work for every kid. Um, just being my son, I felt it was important for him to have language that I felt I didn't have at that age. I couldn't explain to people why my brain was telling me to do something because it was, but I wanted to do something else. So he'll say, I want to do this. And my brain is telling me to do this. And sometimes he acts out on it. You know, sometimes he, he hits my husband and says, well, my brain told me to. And I said, okay, but next time, what are we going to do? And it's just trial and error. You know, one night he'll want to brush his teeth and there's no fight. And the next it's holding him down and brushing his teeth. So it is one of those things where he doesn't understand the formal diagnosis, but I have taught him brains are different. Everybody's different. We all talk differently, think differently, and it's okay to have emotions. We have a poster on the way out the door that has a bunch of emotions. I got it from like Michael's. It's like one thing you would see in a classroom. And it's, we basically say, okay, how are we feeling before we leave? So he points at the little emojis and the little faces and he, he gets it. So he can say he's sad. He can say he's angry. He'll say, we're bugging him. He'll say, you're telling me what to do. Like he's, he's a little more articulate than I would like at three sometimes. But I think it's important for him to have that language, whether he understands it in a deeper level or just something that makes him feel like I can tell people what's going on. It is important. It's very important because like I personally, I struggled with it a lot. Being able to describe what it is I'm feeling. Yeah. I couldn't put words to 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 my emotions. And that that can suck because it's so frustrating inside. It's like, mm -hmm. but how do I communicate it to the world? Right. And we've had to change language. Like, you know, he would do something and then go, sorry for being bad. And I would be like, okay, you're not bad. Your brain's not listening. You're not bad. We're just not doing the thing. I, I like language to me is so important because growing up, all I heard was negative comments about, you know, my spontaneity, my impulsivity, talking too much, like all of it, my laziness, whatever you wanted to call it, there was always something negative. So for him, it's just, I want to instill in him that he is a good person, but we do make mistakes and we don't always control what happens, what we say, what we do, you know, at the end of the day, some of us can't we just we literally cannot the way we're wired so his thing right now is and this is where the guilt kicks in is he says sorry a lot like he'll do something and he's like i'm sorry i'm sorry and i'm like okay am i instilling this because my reactions so now i'm saying you know we appreciate you saying sorry with this and i don't want to say it's not a big deal because to him if he's apologizing he feels he's done something but how do i instill in a three-year-old that you don't have to apologize for everything. But we want him to apologize for the big things. Like he threw a ball at my face the other night and laughed and my husband said, okay, you know, let's say sorry to mommy. And I believe in saying sorry in a genuine way, which is very hard for a three-year-old. So I'm not gonna force him to say it, but I also know when he says it, he might not understand why he's saying it, but we want him to understand because he goes to daycare and he's going to school soon. So when we do something that hurts somebody, we ask, are you okay? And then we apologize for the thing we did. And it took about an hour for him to do it. And it was a fight. You know, it was one of those things where we want him to understand that you are going to hurt people. 
we want to do the right thing about it. But yeah, that's that's a big one. It's just the language I think is is a big one. And people, whether they think, you know, that's me being a therapist, <laughs> I sometimes feel like his therapist more than his mom. And that's a really big one for me because I'm constantly looking at the flags. Mm-hmm. And my doctor said, you know, you could be transferring. And I got my BPD diagnosis two years ago or three. It was postpartum, my first year postpartum after postpartum depression. And then um, my ADHD diagnosis was last year. So I think as I'm learning things and seeing them in him and knowing how hard things were for me, it scares the shit out of me sometimes because I'm just like, he is a mini me. And I don't want him to go through things I went through. And, you know, I want him to experience a good life and a happy life, but nothing's perfect. But when he does certain things, it, it scares me because nobody knew what to do with me in a sense. And I don't want to transfer things onto him. I don't want to treat him like he's different in a way. But I also feel like if I don't, I'm doing him a disservice because I'm not teaching him how he who he is, what he does, what he says. Parenting is so tricky. Yes. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing I ever heard was if there was one way to parent, we wouldn't have a parenting book section. There wouldn't be that many books on it. There was one way to do it. And that is always in the back of my head. Because what works for me doesn't work for one of my friends. That's true. And I think we all judge each other and ourselves. Like I am my harshest critic. But it is one of those things where there is so much out there and you're trying to follow a certain style to see if it works. And I just, I pick and choose. I try it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work for me, but it might work for someone else. And I just found that, especially for BPD, when I was doing, like not even research, but just trying to build a community, parenting is not something that gets talked about. And I think it's a lot of us, I don't know about, you or anyone listening, mine was very present throughout my teens. And we thought it was depression and anxiety and all these other things. But in my 20s, that's when I hit, you know, substance abuse and self-harm and all the nasty sides of things. Um, I hit rock bottom at one point, like it was bad. And so for postpartum to be the thing that made me go, something's still not right. And then to finally get that diagnosis, I had to look at it from, I need to learn about myself, but how do I protect him? Oh. And that's when I was looking and was like, there's a ton of stuff, but there's nothing, there's not a lot um, about parenting specifically and what that looks like. And I think a lot of us do have parenting trauma from our parents who didn't know how to handle us. And some of us have really bad relationships, you know, some go no contact and things like that. And I think it's just, I don't want that for us at the end of the day. And I'm going to do my best for that, but I don't think it's going to be easy. I don't think there's one way to do it. What about support? Like for you yourself, mm -hmm. is it communities or like, where do you get your support for this all? Definitely communities online. So that's why I started my Instagram last year for ADHD because mm -hmm. Part of my hyperfixation sometimes is when I learn a new thing about myself, that's all I can think about. It's not great, but sometimes it's a good thing because I learn as I'm going. So I started with like ADHD. 
And then everyone was talking about ADHD. And I was like, okay, imposter syndrome hit me. And I'm like, everyone's saying the same thing. And I'm just, I'm not feeling it. So then I went into the BPD and I just couldn't get my feet under me. And then when I was like parenting specifically, because that's what I'm dealing with now. I'm not dealing with losing my job and all that stuff that I was dealing with before. And then realizing, especially in Canada, I don't know, if you're Canadian and you're listening, please find me because I have met everyone from the other side of the world, like a lot of people in the UK. There are organizations over there. There's organizations in the States, but I cannot find any BPD specific organizations in Canada. We offer CBT, we offer DBT, but there are no non-for-profits. There are no groups. There's, there's absolutely nothing here. And I think it's just that feeling of loneliness, like I'm doing this by myself. And so even if it's just a quick hello through my Instagram, mm -hmm. I love connecting with other people because it's just that somebody gets it, especially on my hard days. Like I have, I have really hard days. I, I have a favorite person and that favorite person can cause problems. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> and I've had to explain it to my husband and he's, very gracious about it. Again, don't know where this man came from, but you know, this person pops in and out of my life and sometimes I become a different person and I have to catch myself and be like, is this worth blowing everything up? Like, are you willing to do that? And I think having people who understand the intensity of these emotions that we don't necessarily control in those moments is important because your spouse, your partner, you know, hopefully they love you and support you and want to learn things, but there are dark sides to this that I don't necessarily want to say, Hey, I did this thing today. I just want to talk to someone and say, Hey, I'm having a moment. I don't know if this is for you specifically, but like, if you deal with this, like, what are your tips and tricks and things like that? So specifically, I think it's just talking about it that really helps. Um, I have made parenting groups on Facebook, just in general. I made one in my my city um, after COVID and I do like a feature Friday. So all the parents get a chance to talk about their stories, talk about their businesses. And I did mine one time and like the feedback was amazing. Cause I think sometimes I still live in the stigma of I'm a monster. And there are people who like to remind me that I'm a monster. So we got married during COVID and then we never got to have a reception because it was a bubble. So my husband turned 40 this year. So I asked him, do you want a reception finally, instead of a party? Then uh, a family member who unfortunately couldn't make the reception had an issue and called him a week before we got, we were supposed to you know, exchange our vows again and all that stuff. And said, because there's been some no contact in our family on his side for a variety of reasons within the past year, and he said, you know, did you know that Lorraine is talking about, first he called it bipolar, not bipolar, it's BPD. We have an acronym. It's not the right acronym, borderline personality. I wish we could call it something else. Um, so many people confuse the two though. Yeah. Apparently in the UK, they call it emotional stability or instability. And I'm like, that, I feel like that makes way more sense. Borderline personality, that's when people go, you're schizophrenic or you're Harley Quinn, or you, you have multiple, I don't have multiple personalities per se. I just react to different people differently. And that's also a part of ADHD because that's masking. 
So he got a phone call from this, this family member and they basically said, you know, Lorraine's been talking about her diagnosis and I looked into it. And did you know that they are family ruiners? That they, they seek out strong family units and they destroy them because they weren't happy with their own. Oh my God. Why are you doing this to us? And he told me. And my first reaction, I was at work and I cried because I have done the therapy. I have done the medications. I have done the research. And for someone to say they looked into it because they wanted to learn, but didn't actually ask me, didn't say, hey, I read this thing. Like I have no problem with open communication. Hey, I read this article. I'd like to talk to you about it. You live with it. Not Google the worst case scenario, because let's be honest, that's all that comes up when you Google what borderline personality disorder is. And then tell my husband that he made a mistake. And to him, he's looking at a neurotypical way of, well, they wanted to learn about it. I'm like, well, then he should have Googled the right thing first off. But, you know, I would have shared your podcast. I would have shared other podcasts. I would have shared articles and things like that and said, yes, I understand that that is sometimes a thing, but this family was messed up before I got here. And you just want a villain. And you're not going to get one. That is one of those things where, you know, there are just people who look at us and think that we are the worst because of something they read. They don't want to get to know us. They want to assume, you know, because I split, I hate my child. No, I split because I have an emotional disorder and I'm doing the work to work on it, but I'm not perfect. But I don't hate my child by any means because my body decides that it can't be in the same room with him at some point. But I think that is my biggest struggle is constantly being reminded that there are people out there who think that I am this monster, no matter what I do. And sometimes that makes me crawl into a ball and I'm so depressed that I just don't want to do it anymore because it's exhausting. It's it exhausting is. fighting to get the medications and the therapy. Yes, there's free therapy here, but it's years on a wait list. And I had to do DBT through Zoom. And if you know DBT, it's a lot of group. And so my ADHD didn't do well in a Zoom call. And I really didn't pick up on a lot of stuff. And I felt like that was a wasted opportunity. And it's just, I'm constantly listening and reading and doing these things. And then someone can easily just go, yeah, I read a thing and she sucks. She's the worst. She's a monster. Why did you do this? And I'm like, oh, maybe I just stopped doing the things. Maybe I just accept that that's what this is. So what happened with your, um, with the vows? Did you end up having uh, that? <laughs> so they, that person couldn't make it and we had our party and did everything. Oh. Yep. Yeah, I'm just one of those people who like, I understand you're upset. You know, we invited them. We knew why they couldn't make it. They made it about them. It's been a whole thing since then. I am an only child. I don't have a big family. So mm -hmm. to marry into a big family was always my dream but I married into a family that has its own drama. Big messed up family. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Um, so last year I opened my mouth and said something that I thought was reasonable. And it ended up in no contact with one of my in-laws. Um, I basically feel like I don't have in-laws at this point, other than my mother-in-law and father-in-law, the other two, like the one who called me a monster, I will not step foot in their home. It's not. And I've told my husband, he says, well, for the sake of our son and for the sake of our son, 
I will not be around someone who thinks of me that, that negatively. I personally don't want my son to be around that person, but I'm willing to allow the relationship until it hits a point. Mm-hmm. If I ever find out they're talking about me in front of my son, then that's done. And my husband agrees, but I'm not here to take him from his cousins. I'm not here to take him from his family. Being someone who was the black sheep in the family, I understand how important it is to feel like you're a part of something. So we work out ways for him to spell spend time with these people. But I put my foot down and said, my mental health is more important. How I see myself is more important. And if I can find compromises to make him still have a family and me protect myself, that's what I'm going to do. I think that's the best way. Not that I'm any um, genius on parenting because I'm not a parent, but. I, I don't think it's parenting. I think it's, you know, no contact and boundaries and just protecting ourselves from those things. So important. And I know you know that, right? Like it's it's really hard because I have those days where I'm like, I should just apologize. I should just apologize and just move on and let them think they win because I am so exhausted. It's been a year. Mm -hmm. I'm exhausted. But then I'm also like, but I didn't do anything wrong in a sense. And what am I teaching my son if I just back down? You always got to think about the kid too. You're right. Yeah. It's not just about you anymore. And that's been the biggest change. I think struggling with BPD when you're younger and it's just you is like, nobody gets it. I'm by myself. I'm the worst and all these things, but it's now it's, I would love to just, you know, up and quit my job some days and I can't, (laughs) I would love to burn relationships. You know, there are things I would love to say to these people, but I can't. And I think that is the biggest thing is it's not just me anymore. And in one way, that's a blessing because I think I needed something on my really dark days that gave me that, not purpose, I don't like that term, but like something that said, I need to do this for something other than myself because I will not do things for me. I will do something for someone else. So when I have those moments where I can't do it for myself, I say I'm doing it for him. That's impressive. Thank you. I mean, I don't have any kids. I've got a dog though. And they I, count. They count. I, I have three, I I have three cats. And I, I could say that he probably saved my life more than once. Yep. You got to get up. You got to feed them. You got to take them for walks. You got to make sure they, you know, they're entertained. It's it's all those things. If my cats don't get their litter box scoop, guess who's pooping on the floor? Ooh. <laughs> if my son doesn't, you know, if I don't give him the language, guess what's going to happen? Yeah. BPD and ADHD. I, I've, I've looked even without like parenting with BPD and ADHD, I've been looking for um, resources and there isn't much. And now when you factor in parenting with BPD and ADHD, that this is like something that people do need the support. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure there is much out there. There isn't. It's really hard. And the, the best term I heard is reparenting. So when you get an ADHD late term diagnosis, so like myself, I was in my late thirties, I was a mom. Mm-hmm. You know, at first I was like, oh, it makes sense. Everything makes sense. And then there was this, the first day I was on meds, felt magical. I had all the energy in the world. I mean, I cleaned our house top to bottom. I made muffins from scratch. I went to work. I didn't, I didn't have an emotional trigger all day. Like I was, I felt like normal. Like I was like, this is what normal people feel like. And this is amazing. And when I came down from the meds, I immediately broke down and started crying because I said, this should not have been this hard. 
I had this at my fingertips. Someone, somebody could have given me this tool and mm. all these things could be different. And that's when someone says, you don't meet your partner. You don't have your kids. You, and I'm like, I don't think it's me saying I don't want the life I have. But there were times where I didn't want to be here anymore. I tell my husband, there are days where I don't want to be me. I just don't. Like I wake up and I already know that, you know, it's one of those days where you say the wrong thing and I'm just going to lose it on you. And it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to be me today. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to do the wrong thing. I don't want to take the meds. I don't want to overthink every conversation that comes at me today, but that's who I am. And so it's one of those things where it's, what were we talking about? See, there's the ADHD. There it is. It's right there. Right there. But yeah, so you go through this like fascination, you're so excited, and then there's this grief. And when it comes to parenting, they call it reparenting because now I'm figuring out myself and I'm figuring out myself. And so I have that moment of, is he free or is this a flag? And I don't mean flag in a negative way. I mean it in a way that like, I want to notice these things because I want him to get support. Because here in Canada, there are programs for children, but the wait lists are decades long because it's free. So I can go to my GP and I can say, I suspect he has ADHD. Mm -hmm. I would like to get some testing done and they will refer me to in our city. There's a, there's a specialist center and I could wait 10 years. So he's going to be grade five or six with a learning disability possibly before he even gets looked at, or I can pay a couple thousand dollars to get a private assessment, which not everyone has the luxury of doing that. So, and I have friends right now who are in that stage of my kid got to school, didn't have the supports, and now we're working backwards. Oh, so no. it's setting these kids up in a way that is out of our control as parents because we want to do the thing, but, you know, I'm sitting here waiting. So I'm like, how do I fast track this? How do I? And then someone goes, but he's three. And I'm like, oh, right. So I have that like two sides to me of the therapist who's looking at all the ways to support him. And then the mom pops out and goes, but he's three. And are you just transferring what happened to you? And that's the biggest one is trying to see the difference of when I am projecting onto him and when he's doing things on his own volition. Because sometimes, yes, I am leading that conversation in the language and other times he says it himself. Like if I... He had an instance at daycare where he accidentally hit a kid and he looked at his teacher and he said, my brain wasn't listening. And the next day I had to explain to her that that is the language I've given him because I have ADHD and I feel like it's important for him to be able to explain things in case he does. And she said, you know, for a three-year-old, that's extremely articulate. But knowing he said it when I'm not in the room, to me, was a big thing to say he gets it. That's not just me projecting. That's not just me transferring. That's not me leading the conversation. It's something that he's doing for himself. Do you have any tips for parents who have BPD and ADHD? Because I'm sure there are many out there that are struggling. Find a community, find a person, even one person. I love listening to podcasts. You know, I have my daily podcasts and then I'll listen to music. But I think my biggest thing is 
Stop trying to make it what you think it can be. DBT works for some people, doesn't work for everybody. Same with CBT did nothing for me. It actually frustrated me. Mindfulness, because I have ADHD, is not my friend. Sitting here and imagining, you know, the pretty beach and that that's not going to work for me. So find something that works for you, whether it's a creative outlet, whether it's just something in the moment. If you need to leave the room, leave the room. Teach your kids that people have emotions, including mom and dad or your partner or your spouse. And you can remove yourself from the situation, but it's not because you don't love them. That's my biggest thing is if I need to go rest, my husband has, you know, gotten it into our son, then mommy's going to rest. And I'll say, okay, mommy, I'll see you after. And I'll play quietly. And the first time he said that I cried because the guilt was, I shouldn't be doing this. I should be playing with my kid. But also that's, that's me. And those are my limits. And if that's my limit and I can teach him that that's okay, then when he needs it, I'll do the same for him. Because my biggest fear right now is when he goes to school is the masking and coming home and all these routines being thrown off and things like that. So if he wants to come home and have a nap, he can, he can have a nap. I don't care that he's four. Don't come at me. Self-care can be whatever you want it to be. When people say showering is not self-care, it is. When you have ADHD, executive dysfunction, showering is one of my biggest struggles. And when I do it, I feel great. But it can take four days to happen. And I throw my hair in a ponytail and I pretend that I don't care. So self-care is whatever you make it to be. And just finding things that resonate with you and finding people who get it. Because I think if we all try and treat each other like a textbook, it doesn't work. Because what works for me doesn't work for you. And with other people, I've met other parents and it doesn't work. So yeah, I think just figure out what works for you. Honestly, I don't think it's going to discussed about enough the BPD and ADHD. And now add on top of that parenting. It's like, yeah, whoa. So thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate thank it. You. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us on today's BPD Bravery Show. If you've enjoyed it, then like, share, and subscribe if you haven't already. Make sure to tune into our show every Monday and Friday. And remember, you are so much more than your BPD.